Salofalava, this is Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. I'm Susana Suiswiki. Eharia tributes are pouring in following the death of Fiji's acting director of public prosecutions. Also, when they see me, they get that immediate, you know what I'm going through. A Tongan male nurse speaks on breaking stigmas and stereotypes in his role. And later, I was always third or fourth, or even fifth. We chat with a Kiwi sprinter who's raising funds to compete at the upcoming Pacific Games. Fiji's Attorney General has confirmed the Acting Director of Public Prosecutions, David Tonganivalu, has died. Siromi Turanga says it's a big loss to the nation. It's unclear what the circumstances were that led to his death. Siromi Turanga says he's remembering a man who was humble from a family that has served Fiji very well. I've been advised my close circle of friends that is the truth. I am currently in Melbourne and I'm shocked by the news. I'm terribly shocked by the news. And it's just, uh, I was with uh, visiting some of the uh, employees from Fiji who are working here in Melbourne. And I check on my rubber messages from close friends and confirmed passing of When I'm writing the story, what would you like me to capture? How would you like me to describe him and his service to Fiji? As you remember him and many others will be so sad right now. Yes, I just had a meeting with him last week in my office. Prior to that, we were attending the workshop together for two days. So very loyal, so very humble. Because he comes from a family that served Fiji well. So Tony Balu family comes there chiefly family of a Masao. Uh, well respected. And uh, no, I'm just uh, lost beyond words what has happened. Just like in the presence of uh, Fijian employees, about 50 of them, they, I received the news and some of them shared it. So we offered a prayer. In line with traditional protocol, friends and family will not be speaking out just yet. However, a former leader of opposition and paramount chief, Rote Mumu Vuikava Kepa, has sent her condolences. In a post to social media, she says the death is a tragic loss to her surviving mother, siblings, relatives and friends. Papua New Guinea's Communications Minister, Tim Masiu, wants to usher in law changes to protect copyrights for the artists and designers in the country. Our PNG correspondent Scott Waire told on Wiseman what's concerning the minister. So he's talking about uh, a better representation for artists, uh, musicians, and the protection of their work. Uh, I, I guess the bigger problem that Papua New Guinea needs to solve are one, the counterfeiting that's happening within the fashion industry where uh, the work of Papua New Guinean artists are taken and then reproduced, I mean, mass-produced by foreign-owned businesses within the country. 
so that's that's like a, a big big concern for artists in in fashion and fabrics and all that. Can you give us an example of the sorts of things you're talking about? Yeah, so there's a Kokopo-based entrepreneur named Enet Sete who's championed this fight against counterfeiting of her products. So she she produces prints, Papua New Guinean prints, and, and she's built up a business around that. Now, what happens is other businesses are taking her prints, reproducing them or making copies with slight variations to them. I've seen copies of her work where they've basically taken the fabric, scanned it, and then reproduced it as, as a fabric mass-produced out of China, of course. So that's been a big, big problem for her. She's taken the businesses to court, various businesses. She's tried to clamp down on the smaller businesses that have reproduced, uh, uh, mass-produced her work. So it's it's been a struggle for her trying to contain that illegal business. Now, the, the laws do not necessarily protect the artist who is the owner of the product the original owner of the product, and that's been the weakness of the law so far. You can have it mass-produced, but to go through a legal process, knowing that your rights will be protected is a bit difficult, and smaller businesses just don't have the money to fight long, protracted court battles. All right, so what is the minister planning? It's it's a very, very broad statement. I mean, in my opinion, it's, it's a very broad statement. He's talking about uh, legislations and, and protections of, uh, protection of artists, but that the nitty-gritties haven't been really explained. So it's like a move in the right direction, but uh, it still needs to be clearly defined so that it gives confidence to the artists and the you know, fashion designers, the songwriters, the producers, that the government will protect them in the event that their work is being used without benefit to them. Now, last month, 29-year-old John Falkafa was awarded Young Nurse of the Year by the New Zealand Nurses Organisation. Falkafa is not your typical nurse, being a man of Tongan heritage. According to the New Zealand Nurses Organisation, just 4% of nurses in the country are Pasifika. Fino Funua spoke to John Falkafa about his experiences and the challenges he sees facing Pasifika in the nursing space. What's it like working in an industry that is stereotyped as only being an industry for women. Is there challenges that you face? In terms of challenges, I think there's always kind of trepidation or intimidation when you notice you're kind of the only, and it's always quite yeah nerve-wracking going into it and realizing, you know, when you're on your placements or when you're in your study cohort, you kind of stand out as being as being the only male, anything that was my own challenge. I never saw my gender being a barrier in a, in a predominant female industry. I think, if anything, I was actually quite well supported by, the, uh, by that industry and had really good role models and just very fortunate enough that it was care and, and guidance that my experience was being a male nurse in this industry. Um, rather than than the opposite. I've been very, very fortunate in in my journey as a nurse being being a male in this industry. The New Zealand Nurses Organisation recently stated that Māori and Pacifica are underrepresented in the industry. 8% of the population identifies as being of Pacific origin, yet only 4% of, of nurses are Pacifica. Why do you think there's this underrepresentation. 
I, I think most female-dominated organizations, there, there tends to be kind of like, you know, people have these preconceived notions of it. And I, I think that's also one of the reasons. I also think the reason why it's really important um, to target Pacifica nurses, especially male Pacifica nurses, is male Pacifica patients. There is a huge, huge kind of um, diverse patient group that we have, and there's not enough people to represent that cohort that we actually care for. So I, I think there's been a there has been a push, but I just think it needs to be in the right direction, and it's definitely much needed because uh, with New Zealand, you used to have a huge diverse group of population, and so you need your workforce to to represent each of those cohorts. I would say the best thing about my job or, or being a nurse in general in the sexual health space is breaking down those myths, destigmatizing um, a lot of things that people have preconceived notions uh, about sex, sexuality, and gender. So literally having those conversations, literally patients coming in saying, you know, A, B, and C about, uh, about sexually transmitted infections, and then just being like, oh, actually, um, this is the evidence. I'm going to provide you. This is the education about it. And seeing them kind of soak up that information and then going out and doing differently than when they walked in. About a specific scenario is a lot of uh, patients come in having an idea of genital herpes. And, and you know, and they, and the worst thing about when people have genital herpes is they get, they, they, they're so mean to themselves. Um, and then coming in and us actually breaking that down going, no, that is exactly not what it is. It's the most sexually active adults, uh, 80% of them have genital herpes. It's, it's very common. It's, um, most people have have and don't know that they have it and you can absolutely have relationships and be nice to yourself. There's a stigma against diseases like this. Do you have to give them emotional support? What do you tell them when you notice this kind of shame or embarrassment? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, it helps when myself being a Tongan Pacifica male, I think when when they see me, they get that immediate, you know what I'm going through. You know what it's like. So one, that relatability and also knowing that they, that they are safe, that they're culturally safe, that, that everything is confidential, everything stays in this room, and just giving them kind of that, you know, like, here's a, here, let's make a cup of coffee, breaking down those barriers between clinician and patient. So making them not see me as like an authority figure, but getting them to see me as a as working in partnership um, rather than uh, them working for me so that I'm working that we're working together so so and also when so it's just assuring that that every that they are safe that everything is confidential and that we'll be with them every step of the way and that we also have like partners like we have like non-governmental organizations that, and we were partnered up with Maori and Pacifica um, healthcare providers. So we have all these amazing partnerships with, with these communities that, that can absolutely uh, kind of support them and, and, and help them so that they feel safe. The Pacific Games are on the horizon and one New Zealand sprinter is fundraising to get himself there. With the support of China and Australia, new facilities have been built for the Games in Solomon Islands, and others have been upgraded. More than 5,000 athletes and officials from 24 Pacific Island countries and territories are expected at the event, which starts on November 19th. 
Christina Persico spoke to Hayato Yoneto, a New Zealand sprinter paying his own way to the Games. Why the Pacific Games? What, what's been your story to get here? So I've been competing through sprinting for the past five years competitively. And last season I kind of had a really good uh, record compared to the other years and managed to get myself into the national team. How long and have you been sprinting? Pretty much uh, six years and then I've, I've only had a coach for like a season and a bit when I came up to Auckland because I'm from the South Island. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, from Qu- Little Queenstown, and there's no coaches there, so been sprinting myself and then sprinting with a team up here, yeah, it was pretty good. What led you to um, start sprinting? Just pretty much doing athletics at a normal primary school meet, and, um, you know, always, never came first, never yeah. came first, but <laughs> I was always third or fourth, or even fifth, yeah. And I was, yeah, I just wanted to get first, so I started doing it and I actually got some results, so it's pretty good. What was your initial reaction when you were told you had made the Pacific Games team? Yeah, I was obviously really happy. My overall goal was to eventually represent the country in athletics and sprinting. And, yeah, when I got the message, I was really happy. And it's finally time, you know, it's just got to get my things sorted and ready to go. Yep. In November, pretty much. Do you know much about the facilities or anything that you'll see over there? I know they've invested a lot of money in producing new facilities. Um, definitely the athletics track. It's their national stadium, and they've built a new track just for this upcoming Games. So mm-hmm. it'll be very good to have a new new track, hopefully good conditions and good times with good competition, yeah. So you're in the 100 metres, the 200 metres and the 4x100, is that right? 4x1 relay, yeah. So three events. It'll start off with the 100 of the event. There'll be heats, semi and finals. And then same goes the 200. They'll start once the 100's finished. And Mm -hmm. then the relays will be on the final day, I think. Are any of those events a particular strength of yours? I really like the 100 metres, just because it's the shortest. Yeah, yeah, I, I do like the 200 metres as well. I, I think I've got strengths in both. What's a little bit of your background? Where did you grow up? What are your hobbies outside of running? Um, so I grew up in Queenstown. I was born in Invercargill, down south. Went to primary school, high school, all in uh, Queenstown as well. And then took sprinting around mid-high school. And um, other than that, I was always playing football. So football has always been like a hobby for me. And I still watch it to this day outside of sprinting and I still enjoy being in environmental football as well. So you are fundraising. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So this event that I'm going to, Pacific Games, is self-funded. So we're not able to get any funding, unfortunately. But trying to get a fundraising sorted on my Give a Little page. The overall financial cost for this trip is 5.5 grand. This includes all travel, accommodation, athlete village expenses and everything. Do you have anything in particular you're looking forward to at the Pacific Games? It's, it'll be my first ever time being in like a games environment where there's there's various sports and different like athletes from different countries all together. And you'll meet them along the way kind of thing and Yeah, it'll be it'll be pretty cool. I think um looking forward to the most like the culture of it and also obviously representing the country. That's Pacific Waves for today. To listen back, head over to rnzi.com slash programs. We're also on Apple, Spotify and iHeartRadio podcasts. From myself and the RNZ Pacific team, so far so far.